speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the greatest compliments we can either give or receive is to name something said or done as inspiring. Think of it, how you feel when someone says to you, what, what you've done is inspiring, or you are an inspiration. But when we're inspired, literally, in the spirit, our actions and our words have an extraordinary quality about them. They seem to bring out the best of a situation and makes possible because of us to what others seems impossible. Similarly, when we use the language of giftedness, as in you are truly gifted as a musician or an athlete or a doctor or a parent or a listener or a friend, what we're acknowledging is an attribute in another person or a level of human accomplishment that isn't available to everyone in the same degree, but given to some with particular bounty. Now this language of giftedness and inspiration underscores the unique creativity and potential in every one of us, because we are all gifted and we are inspired in different ways. And it also acknowledges the existence of a greater power or a source of creativity and energy that, that lies beyond us somehow, but in particular ways works through us, through each and every one of us. In the Christian faith, we call this power the Holy Spirit, that part of God which is a source of energy and creativity and power. And it comes to us always as a gift. But when we're inspired, when we're in the Spirit, it's not as if the Holy Spirit takes over and makes us something we're not but rather that a gifted part of us is amplified so that we're still ourselves, but more somehow. And inspiration, when we experience it, gives us firsthand knowledge of what it's like for God to be at work in and through us and through other people. The story of the Holy Spirit coming to Jesus' disciples uh, describes this divine human encounter in, in language of wind and fire, sources of collective energy and anticipation. And then they were given the ability to speak what was on their hearts, but in languages that others from all parts of the world could understand. It's an incredible phenomenon. But what they said, and this is what I'd like you to remember, what they actually said was what they wanted to say all along. They, they wanted to speak of how they
lives had been changed by being followers of Jesus and, and how, how amazing the events after his crucifixion were, the, these encounters that they had with him that assured them that he was still alive, with them still, and that God had revealed to them through him that love is stronger than hate, and that after death, there is life. That what the Spirit did on that day was take their words and amplify them, enabling them to transcend boundaries, the boundaries that divide people with this unifying message of love. So if you want to find evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, you needn't look any further than your own spirit and your own innate giftedness. Because the Holy Spirit always works in and through us, deeply respectful of our spirit, moving with such grace and anonymity that if we wanted to, we could take all the credit for what the Spirit makes possible or is accomplishing through us. Because the Spirit doesn't demand our acknowledgement, but seems to can content to let the light shine on you and on me. Now, no doubt there are times when the Spirit works in this way and we're not even aware of it. But what I'd like to reflect upon with you today is those times when we actually do know, when we have a sense that the spirit, some energy, some creative power is at work that we can't fully take credit for or even completely control. This power, this presence gives us a heightened awareness and an energy that carries us for a time, allows us to do more than we could do on our own, speak with a greater facility than we normally have, or offer more of ourselves without becoming exhausted. It's like that feeling you get when you're swimming in the ocean and you catch a wave and it carries you to the shore. You're, you're still stroking, but every stroke now has this power and momentum behind it for a time. It's exhilarating. One of the most affirming spiritual experiences a person can have. And often we experience this because the spirit is all about connections between us. Often we experience this power in relationship to other people. Um, and, it, and it typically comes after a time of struggle when things have been a bit messy and contentious and we don't seem to be making headway toward any kind of resolution. In any, think of any relationship that you've been in where you just kind of feel stuck for a while in these patterns that just are, you know, that you're spending a lot of energy on, but you're just not getting anywhere. And then, and then, sometimes, something shifts in the dynamic between us. And a different wind blows through us. And what seemed irreconcilable eases. And we can speak to one another in that spirit with greater clarity and peace, saying essentially the same things we've been saying all along. But because this spirit is at work, 
we can hear each other in different ways. A door opens where there was once only a wall. When I was a first parish priest in Minneapolis, I had about 13 years into my ministry, so I had been there for a while. Um, the, the congregation I was serving got caught up in a really nasty church fight. Um, and the issue that everyone was arguing about centered around our building and plans that some people had to significantly increase the gathering space and to create a more unified feel to the floor plan. And this was in a building, an old building that had been added on to piecemeal over the generations, right? Now, there were some people, myself included, justifiably concerned about the expense, wasn't sure we could pull it off. But I also had been there long enough to know that what people were fighting about, I mean, really fighting about, wasn't the building and wasn't the money. What was at stake, I thought, was the congregation's sense of destiny at that particular moment in time. And it happened to coincide with a generational shift in leadership. And many people who had poured their lives into this church were afraid of the new building that it would change the congregation's essential character and make it too big and too inwardly focused. And other people were arguing that we needed a facility that reflected the mission and the spirit of the place. And, and, and we also needed to be able to welcome more people. Now, we were fighting about this for over a year, which is a long time for a church fight. And, um, and I began to get worried. Now, this may be hard for you at St. Columbus to relate to, but the church I served... <laughs> Yeah, the church I served back then, it was really strong-willed and opinionated. Like, everybody knew they were right, right? It's made for very interesting parish meetings. And I, I wasn't quite sure how to lead. Because I didn't want, I mean, I was in favor of the building plans. But I didn't want our whole sense of identity to be wrapped up around money and architecture, right? I, I was trying to figure out. But finally, and the reason I'm telling you all this is that we... As a community, we experienced a breakthrough that had all the elements of Pentecost. We were in a large group gathering, big parish meeting. Everyone was speaking different languages, as it were, talking past each other, right? You know what that's like. And the tension in the room was palpable. But then something happened. Something happened. I can't fully adequately describe the experience except to say that even those least inclined to speak in religious terms said that it was a Holy Spirit moment. This happened. And people spoke from their hearts and could hear each other. And everyone felt the Spirit's power. And it remains to this day a kind of marking event in the story of that community. Now, we can't control this, right? We, we can't evoke the Spirit's power on command. But what we can do, what we can do is open ourselves and pray for the Spirit's guidance and strength to pray for that inspiration and then wait, the hard part, wait for whatever inside or direction comes. And here's the thing, I mean, there may be long stretches, long, I mean, a year, right, in this church, when we're waiting for that kind of clarity and it simply doesn't come. Uh, or we might get bits and pieces of it, but not the whole picture. Or the message is simply 
wait. And I don't know about you, but in times like that, my temptation is to take matters into my own hands. Um, and I do this a lot. Um, even though I've been, I know better, I've been a Christian for over 40 years. But my default in life is to assume that everything depends on me. So I just get in there, and I have a will, and I have an energy, and I can make things happen. But I tell you, it's an exhausting way to live. And, um, and Jesus says we don't have to live that way. We can draw our strength and our sustenance from a source that's greater than we are. And that means stepping back, praying, and paying attention to what comes. So I'd like to close with two ways that we can open ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Remaining engaged and attentive as we're waiting for this power to come. Um, and I'm speaking in particular to those of you who are being confirmed, but I'm also speaking to all of you because we're all in some ways being confirmed, affirmed, or reaffirming in this moment. The first way we can be open is to cultivate our own natural giftedness, the things that you're really good at, the things that bring you joy, the things that people say about you as being your gift, to develop that and to trust that as part of the gift of who you are. Because remember that the Spirit always works in and through us, amplifying who we are. So it matters, as a friend of mine used to say, that we give the Holy Spirit as much as we can to work with. So for example, if you take the time and effort to learn another language, to understand people whose life experiences are different than yours, and to seek common ground across differences, you are, you are stepping into the Holy Spirit's path because that's what the Spirit does. And your energy and your presence and your openness will create all kinds of avenues that wouldn't have been there without you. And similarly, if you are gifted in a particular way, musically or athletically or intellectually, and you invest in that, the Spirit will amplify that and make you even more of what you were created by God to be. That's the first way. And the second way we can put ourselves in the Spirit's path is by choosing to actively care for other people. Because the Spirit is Jesus amplified. And that's what Jesus did all the time. He just went around caring for people to show up when help is needed. The writer Anne Lamott gave a commencement speech a few years ago, and she described it this way. She said, we see the Spirit made visible when people are kind to one another, especially when it's a really busy person like you taking care of a really needy, annoying, neurotic person like you. <laughs> when we're willing to allow others their imperfections and accept our own, the Spirit meets us more than halfway. And so to you, the wondrous young people and young at heart who are being confirmed and received into the church today, know this. Know this. The Spirit is here for you today with you and for you. And when I lay my hands on your head and pray for you, what I'm asking, in essence, is for the Holy Spirit to allow your natural giftedness to be infused with God's Holy Spirit 
so that you can be all that God has created you to be and more. And because the blessing can never be contained, I urge each one of you to pay attention, offering your prayers not only for each one coming forward, but for yourselves as well, so that we can all be open to the power and the presence and to hear the particular word that God longs to say to each one of us and then to speak through our lips. May it be so. Amen.